Hey, good morning. Welcome to River Ridge. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Hey, I've got kind of an exciting announcement uh, is that beginning next week, we will have a live stream of our full service at, uh, from our Taze Valley campus. And uh, the reason for this is kind of twofold. One is, you know, if you've ever invited somebody to River Ridge and they're like, I'm not sure what goes on there. Do they handle snakes? Is it weird? You know, people have all those kind of questions. Um, you can say, hey, you can actually watch one of our services, the full thing online uh, on a Sunday morning. It'll, it'll feed from our Taze Valley campus, uh, but they get a good idea of what happens at River Ridge Church. Uh, and then the other reason that we're doing this live um, stream is that we know that there are times when you want to be a part of River Church on a Sunday morning, but you can't for one reason or another. Maybe you are traveling, or maybe you're sick, or you've got a sick kid at home. And so this will allow you, if you want to, to tune in uh, at 9.15 or 11 and do a live service of River Ridge Church. Um, and then we will continue to post the uh, audio uh, and the video of just the sermon of the Charleston campus uh, every Sunday afternoon is when that gets up pretty much every week. So you can continue to have that as well. So um, we are wrapping up our sermon series today called A Time for Everything. Uh, it's been a great sermon series, and if you missed last week, and I know a lot of folks missed because the weather was pretty bad. It was really nice in Florida where I was, but not so nice here. Uh, but for those of you that missed last week, really encourage you to pick it up online uh, on the website or iTunes, however you like to listen to sermons. Um, because Dylan talked about Sabbath, and he shared a really intriguing thought, uh, which I really found refreshing. And he said, you know, if God worked for five days and then he, or six days, and then he rested and took a Sabbath, don't we need to do the same thing? And I thought, man, that is so, and he just talked and he kind of wove that around and talked about that from the scripture. So I encourage you to listen to that. Also want to let you know, beginning next week, we're starting a new sermon series, which to be perfectly honest, I'm really excited about, uh, but I'm also a bit nervous about. Uh, it's called The Great Beyond. And this series will basically be looking at what happens after we die. A little bit of the end times and what is heaven like? What is hell like? Who goes to heaven? Who goes to hell? You know, are we in the end times? Is the end coming? Is doomsday soon? So uh, I'm excited about it, uh, but also a little bit nervous because we've never done anything like this. And it's going to take some study and looking on my part to try and figure some of this stuff out that I haven't totally settled. So uh, anyway, that is going to be uh, starting next week. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you uh, that we had this time to worship and to be together and to just pour out our hearts to you and the things that are dragging us down and the things that are, we're excited about. We get to share that with you through song uh, on a Sunday morning. And thank you for that gift that, we, that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the jumping off point for each message in this series of A Time for Everything has been Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where Solomon lists 28 different seasons of life that we go through. And most of us go through all 28 of those seasons throughout the course of our lives. Uh, and so this morning, the season we're going to talk about is in, the, in Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon writes, a time to sow and a time to reap is one of the translations, a time to sow and a time to reap. And so we're going to talk about sowing and reaping this morning. And this principle is really a life principle. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian or really into God or not really into God. The, the principle that God has set up of sowing and reaping fits no matter where you're coming from spiritually. And it's this idea that whatever we sow on one end, we will reap on the other end. 
And so sometimes it's used in a negative sort of way where, well, you reap what you sow because you make a series of bad decisions and then you live with the consequences of that. But it can also be used in the positive sense of you reap what you sow. If you sow good things on one end, then you're going to reap good things on the other end. You know, if you sow in terms of, you know, you study hard for a test and you write good papers and you listen in class, you're going to reap a good grade, right? So we reap what we sow. But here's the important thing to think about as we talk about reaping and sowing, is that we want to, ahead of time, decide what is it that we want to reap. Because whatever it is that we want to reap, that is going to determine what it is that we sow in life. And it's an, agri- it comes, it's an agricultural illustration at the start. So if you want to reap pumpkins, if you want to harvest pumpkins, then you need to sow pumpkin seeds. Good, right. If you want to reap or harvest Brussels sprouts, you would reap, you would sow, I don't know, Brussels sprout seeds or the whole sprout. I don't know. I don't know why anybody would want to have Brussels sprouts anyway, but corn, that's a better one if you want to do corn. You know, but, but it's that type of thing. And so then we take that principle and we can apply it to all different kinds of things in life. If you want to make the starting lineup of your team, whatever team you're a part of, then it means you go to practice you work hard in the off-season, you do a little strength and conditioning, you get your mental game in set, and you sow that, and then you're much more likely to reap making the starting team. Or let's say you want to have an influence with your kids. I want to influence my kids for a lifetime. Well, then you're going to sow into that relationship and establish boundaries and love and, and build that relationship so that you can have influence for a lifetime. Or if you say, another example, if uh, retirement, that's a lot where we talk about sowing and reaping. If you want to retire, you want to have a certain size nest egg for when you retire, then that means over a period of time you are going to sow by setting aside a certain amount from your paycheck every month so that you can reap the benefits of being able to retire. So that is sowing and reaping. And every thing that we talk about with sowing and reaping, there's a couple of kind of truths to it. One is this, is it requires some faith and some patience. Because we sow now, but we don't reap until later, right? And sometimes later is a couple of months, sometimes it's a couple of years, sometimes it can be a lot longer than that. But you don't plant sunflower seeds today and expect to have a sunflower tomorrow. It takes time. And here's the other thing that's important to understand about sowing and reaping, is that there is a part of sowing that is enjoyable, but there's also a part of sowing that can be very difficult. No matter what it is that we want to reap in the future, there's usually going to be some of both involved in that. And so when I, you know, so let's say, for example, you say, I want to have a, a lifetime of influence with my kids. Well, there's a part of that that's really fun. A couple summers ago, when my kids were a little bit younger, I took each one of them on wherever they wanted to go for an entire day. And so I took one of my kids to Kings Island. We played at Kings Island all day. Took another one to a Columbus crew game in Columbus, a soccer game, and loved that. That, There was a fun part of sewing into my kids. But there's also a difficult part of sewing into my kids. When we talk about boundaries and consistencies, and one of the things when our kids were little, we said that you need to finish everything that's on your plate, and we would give them small portions, but sometimes they wouldn't like what was on their plate, and so there was a bit of difficulty there saying, well, that's on your plate, kid. You need to eat it now, or you're going to have it for breakfast tomorrow. Your choice, right? That's not fun, that side of parenting, but it's necessary to have an influence for a lifetime. So there's fun things and difficult things. Now, 
I set all this up because today, this morning, we're going to talk about what does it mean to sow generously financially. We're going to talk about what does it mean to sow, to give generously to God's work, and then what does reaping look like on the other side. Now, as we talk about this, when we talk about reaping, again, this is anything that we're talking about sowing and reaping, what you put in, then what you get out. But with anything, you look and you say, well, what is the end goal? What's the end goal? And so we take that same truth and we look at when we talk about giving financially, being generous financially, sowing generously, what's the end goal that we're shooting for? And we'd say, well, it's pretty much the same thing that God says about all of life. So what does Jesus say is the goal of life? Not just finances, but the whole goal of life. He was asked that question in a little bit different context, but this is what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love the Lord your, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so Jesus is saying the most important thing in life is to love God and to love others. And so that's the end goal. And say, okay, well, what's the end goal of sowing financially or sowing generously? It's that we would have a growing love for God and a growing love for people. About two years ago, a little more than two years ago, we as a church set out on what we called the Forward Campaign, where we challenged people to grow in their generosity. And we did a whole bunch of things with that. But one of the things that we did is we said, we want to make an investment on the west side of Charleston. We want to invest in the lives of kids who need help getting ahead in life. And so we've partnered with the Second Avenue Center in a whole bunch of different ways, remodeling some rooms, providing food, providing homework help, different things like that. And so we put together a video of a little bit of what the harvest has been, so to speak, or what we have reaped as a result of sowing on the west side. So check this out. Over the past couple months, I've been in charge of taking a uh, blank space in here. It was a room with carpet and uh, junk piled up and different things and transforming it into a room that the kids can actually sit and enjoy when the weather's cold outside. And it was like nothing there, just all black. And there was like a couple tables in there. So it was just plain. We've had this building for 20 plus years. And, and, uh, uh, this is not something that I would have thought about, is putting a, a floor in, a basketball court in. And, uh, they've got something in there now that I think the kids will even be proud of. The um, first thing I saw was actually the basketball hoop. And then I saw the rock wall, and I saw the punching wall. Not the punching wall, punching bag. Um, I wanted to help with the Second Avenue Community Center, the new activity room. Um, whenever the mural was created, um, I had been a part of the homework buddy room um, when that mural was done, and I really wanted to come up with a, with a message that we could share with the kids um, as far as when they're in the space, something that would be inspirational for them to, to see while they're in the space, having fun, right? Having fun. If it's like really cold outside, we just go in there, and that's where we can do our stuff, because we have basketball hoops and stuff out here, but it would be really cold. So we don't want to get a cold, and then we sick, and we don't, we can't come. So that would help us. And so for all of those that had a hand in it, we we, we offer a sincere thanks. And I'm grateful that you are all here and. 
for uh, River Reef and, and, and for all the, the support they're giving us, but most of all uh, for the ones that have put that room together. And, and for that matter, all the buildings they've been working on. And so we thank God for you. If you gave to River Ridge Church over the last two years, you were sowing generosity, and that's what we get to reap. And that's just one picture. There's so much that God has done because you have sowed generosity over the last couple of years. You know, one of the places that we invest is in Kenya with Young Life. Over this last year, 8,967 kids met Christ in Kenya in part because of your generosity. People come to this building and experience the grace and love of God because of you sowing generosity. The auditorium in Taze Valley now seats 600 people, and people are coming and hear about Christ, and that's because of your generosity. We have missions teams going all over the world and sending long-term missionaries to Moldova, and somebody just left, leaves from Malawi on Tuesday. That is because you are sowing generosity. And so here's the kind of question that I want to wrestle with this morning, is how do we sow generosity for the long haul? How do we be generous month after month, year after year? How do we sow that so that we can reap a lifetime of generosity and a lifetime of seeing what God is doing? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, if you want to open to there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, and a little bit in chapter 9. And, there's, uh, and Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's talking about a group of churches, the churches in Macedonia. And these churches were known for their generosity. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn from these churches in Macedonia about what does it mean to be generous in our lives. Because I think all of us need to learn generosity. And we need to learn to grow in our generosity because, you know, sometimes we don't feel like we can give to God's work because we don't have any money. And we need to learn and understand that. You know, sometimes we're not generous or we don't give because we, we have intentions. We have a good intention to give. I have a good intention to be generous, but then we're short on a follow-through. And sometimes we don't give because it's like, well, Seems like everybody else around me is giving generously, and so I can just kind of freeload or piggyback on their generosity, and, and I get to watch, and that's kind of cool. But I want us to understand this morning, what does it mean for each one of us to be generous, to sow generosity? And so we begin in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes this. He says, We want you to know, brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Listen to that description of the Macedonians, that they have abundant joy and overflowing with a wealth of generosity. Wouldn't you love that to be a description of you? Hey, do you know Susan? Man, she has abundant joy and she just overflows with generosity. Hey, do you know Stephen? He is overflowing with joy and abundance of generosity. Man, he's just, you know, wouldn't you want God to say that about you? Wouldn't you want to look in the mirror and say, I have an abundance of joy and I'm overflowing with generosity. But we look at that and we're like, I'd like that to be me. I'd like to have an overflowing of generosity, but I'm not rich. I'm not wealthy. I don't have a whole lot. I mean, maybe, you know, Bill Gates or these super people or, you know, people who have a ton of money or own a company, but I'm not rich, so that will never be a description of me. But you know what? You're wrong because look at what it says. Look at the description of who the Macedonians are. It says, and their extreme poverty, and that's what overflowed. You see, they were extremely poor, and yet God says about them, they were rich in generosity. And I tell you, for me, that is so freeing. Because you know what that means? It means I don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You can have any income level, make millions of dollars a year, or make hundreds of dollars a year. And you can still be rich because it says they, out of their extreme poverty, have overflowed with a wealth of generosity. So how do we do that? Regardless of our income level, how do all of us overflow with this generosity? Well, really, it's a series of choices. And as we look over these next few verses and a little bit in the next chapter, we're going to see there's a number of choices that we make. And these are not huge choices. They're just little choices that we make bit by bit by bit. And when we live these choices, then we will have this abundance of joy and this generosity. So beginning in verse 3 says this. It says, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So it says they each gave according to their means. Now, the, the situation historically is they're actually taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was experiencing a famine. So they're taking up money, and whatever the amount that they needed, let's say they needed 500 denarii or something like that, we need to send that to Jerusalem. What they didn't do is say, okay, well, there's 84 of us in this church. Let's divide 500 by 84, and that's how much everybody should give. That's not what they did. It says that each person gave according to his means. So the person who had more gave more. The person who had less gave less. But then it has this great little phrase in there, and it says, but they, and beyond their means of their own accord. That some of them, and it sounds like most of them, gave beyond their means. So they took a little bit of faith. They took a little bit of a stretch. They took a little bit of a risk and gave beyond what was comfortable for them. That's the first choice that I want us to see, is choose to give a risky amount over a safe amount. Choose to give a risky amount over a safe amount. Instead of saying, well, what do I have left at the end of the month? Well, I'll give something out of that. The riskier thing is to say, well, I'm going to give up front and not worry about what happens this month and let God take care of that. A few months ago, a family 
um, came to me and said, hey, just want you to know that we're going to give a check to River Ridge. It's going to be kind of a big check. Um, and I want you to know that we're not going to give any more after that for a while. I'm like, okay, that's, that's an odd statement for somebody to make. I'm like, okay, well, tell me a little bit. Why is that? And, and so was, the conversation at this point is with the wife, and, and she says, well, my husband got laid off from his job and got a severance package, um, and so we're going to tithe off the severance package, but he's not going to have an income source for a while, so we're not going to give regularly for a while until he gets a job. And two thoughts crossed my mind in that. One is, man, that's so generous to give a, a large lump sum like that. But the second is, that's pretty risky. Like, that requires an amount of faith because there's no guarantee that you get a job in six months or nine months or 12 months or however long the severance package is supposed to last. And there's an amount of faith there. But that's what God is building in us as we talk about choosing a risky amount over a safe amount, building faith in us. Then he continues on, verse 4. It says, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I love that phrase, begging us. Like, could you imagine if we forget to take up the offering one Sunday at River Ridge, and, and I'm walking out there, and you're like, hey, we forgot to take up the offering. No fair. Can we take it up now? I'm like, sure, that'd be fun. There's brown boxes out there. But I just love that imagery of they begged us to take part in the relief. And then it says, And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And it's that phrase they gave first to the Lord that I want us to understand. You see, when we talk about sowing generously over periods of time, over long periods of time, over a lifetime of sowing generously, we need to choose pleasing the Lord over pleasing people. They gave first to the Lord and then in consideration of people. And so what, what that means for us is we want to say, what does God want me to give? How, how does God want me to give? We choose to please the Lord and over people. And kind of the question, well, what people would we try and please? Well, it may be the people in our family, people that are close to us. We, we want to buy this. We want to do this. We want to go on this vacation. And we say, well, I'm gonna, we're gonna, as a family, we're going to please the Lord first. But the people that we usually want to please, that, that sort of pleasing God or pleasing people, is the person in the mirror. Like, I, I want to do what I want to do with the money that I have. But what this is saying is they chose to give first to the Lord and then to themselves, then to whatever else was needed. After this comes couple of paragraphs of different instructions about some of the details of the offering and so forth. And then I want to move to chapter 9, verse 6. And Paul writes this. It says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So he's saying if you sow financially a little bit, you're not going to get a whole lot back, right, in terms of the blessing. And we're not talking about financial blessing. Or, he says, if you sow generously, or the word he uses is bountifully, then you're going to have a bountiful harvest. So the more that you give, the more that you're going to see God at work. I want to introduce you to a couple that some of you may know, but Rob and Nicolina were part of uh, River Ridge Church. Here's a picture of them since uh, the very beginning. That's a picture in my living room when we started River Ridge Church. And they have been giving faithfully to River Ridge uh, over the years 
uh, through all the different campaigns and regular giving and all that type of stuff. And so we sat down with them to just have a conversation about sowing and reaping and what they saw and how they're blessed and kind of the process, as well as, um, and you'll see sort of a video within a video of uh, sort of a reaping story of the blessing of a baptism. So let's listen to Rob and Nicolina. Why don't we start by telling us, telling all of us uh, a little bit about yourselves, who you are, how long you've been together, kids, where we might find you on a Sunday, all that stuff. Okay. We are the Johnstons. I'm Nicolina Johnston. This is my husband, Rob Johnston. We have been together about 24 years since seniors in high school. We've been married 17 years. We have three kids, Bella, who is 12, Christopher, who will be 10, and Lily, who is 6. And typically on a Sunday morning, you will find us in the audio video lighting booth. Okay, so tell us how you did get to this point of where tithing and giving was just this rhythm that you did as a family. Tell us how you actually got to that uh, in your journey as a family. Just how'd you get there? We did some calculations and we figured out we uh, were part of a campaign for eight of the last 13 years. Wow. You guys gave us a few Sabbath years in there, which was nice. But, um, but we yeah, always think about you. That's right. Our, our goal every time was to sacrificially give. If it didn't hurt, then it wasn't good enough. Um, and so we gave above and beyond tithes with each one. Not to brag about that, but I feel like you know, God gave so much for us, and we, we need to have that same sacrificial heart. Um, the first one was awesome, uh, going from the portable church to a, to a new facility. I struggled a little bit with Game Changers, um, kind of a selfish struggle, because I saw the church growing uh, rapidly, and we went from a small group of 200, 250 people in a grade school to, oh gosh, 500, 1,000 within just, it seems like, a few months. And the selfish, introverted side of me sort of got frustrated. I was swimming in a sea of, of faces, most of the folks I didn't really know. Um, and, you know, there was a phrase that, that the pastors and the leadership of this church kept saying, and that is that we don't circle the wagons. And God really used that to touch me in my heart because, um, you know, I don't want that to be my, that's not God's heart, and I don't want that to be my heart either. Easy, always easy to do? No, we had early marriage conflicts okay. with regards to tithing. Just I mean, I barely knew what a tithe was, to be honest. Um, and Rob was still a poor student and I had got my first real paying job and my first real paycheck and so what did a girl want? She wanted to go buy a $400 pocketbook. <laughs> Needless to say that did not go over well. You were more worried about FICA though. You wanted yeah. to know who this FICA who, was. Who and, was FICA? Uh, and then ties were <laughs> on there too. all my money. <laughs> but we did always tithe. It was not, yeah, not never an option. Not all right, so I, I, wanna, uh, I want you to watch, and we're going to watch this video just for a minute, uh, and then I'm going to ask you one more question, so let's just watch this. Hello, I'm Tanisha Sturdivant, and I'm here today to share with you that I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I always had the impression that you had to lead this perfect Christian life before getting baptized. And my whole life, I just thought I wasn't enough. And then I had learned that our relationship with God is a personal relationship, and it is to be not compared to anybody else's. So that's when I decided that I, that I want to get baptized. It was when I went to high school, and 
I got really involved in sports that I started to pull away from church. I realized that my senior year, so I made it a goal to, I want to get re reconnected with Jesus when I go to college. I got to college and I realized being a college athlete made that that much harder. I'd say it was about two years ago when I was talking to my coach about my faith and I had told him that I'd never been baptized and he was surprised because I had always talked about you know, my love for God, and he immediately said, what are you waiting for? And I knew it was because of cheerleading, and I knew exactly what I had to do, but I wasn't ready to give up cheerleading, something that I've done all my life. So I ended up cheering another year, and God was pressing hard on my heart that entire year. So I decided not to cheer my senior year and rededicate my life to God, and that's where God led me to River Ridge and I got connected with the high school fuse group. I just knew that my next step was baptism. Long overdue. Okay, so my last question is this. Uh, well, first of all, I wanna say thank you. Thank you. Um, but what does all this mean to you guys uh, as you reflect on this and what has God taught you through the lens of giving to a local church? Uh, this kind of life change is, is what it's about, and it makes it worth it. Um, it's a privilege to see that. Every time God lets me in on one of these little stories, when I bump into somebody at work or at, at the store or wherever that says, I'm going to River Ridge Church, you know, and, and I see my worlds collide in that way, and, and inside I know I've, we've been a part of that, you know, that's, that's amazing. And uh, uh, widening the circle of influence of this church, it's, it's been the, the best part of it all. Um, and I'm just thankful to have been a part of it. I can't think of a better legacy to leave than, than being a part of that. It's a great story of just hearing some of the struggles um, that they had, but some of the joys of what it means and what it looks like to stow generously over a long period of time. So let's look at a couple more choices that we make in order to, to sow over a long period of time. This is in verse, um, chapter 9, verse 7. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So says, each one must give what he has decided, decided in his heart. And, uh, you know, it's this idea of good intentions are not quite good enough. It's like whatever God has laid on your heart, then that's what you're to give. And so we make a choice, and the choice is this, is we choose follow through over quitting. We choose follow through over quitting. When God lays something on your heart, to give, to be generous, that we follow through on that. And, you know, one of the things that sometimes you hear us talking about at River Ridge is online giving or setting up a recurring gift online. And one of the reasons that we do that is because it just helps us to follow through on our intentions. I want to give X number of dollars per month, and so this will allow me to do it if I set it up and it just happens automatically. I was having lunch with a friend of mine, or excuse me, dinner with a friend of mine, uh, a couple of months ago, and, uh, and we were just talking about the church and so forth, and he, and he looks at me, and he kind of, he says, is the church doing okay financially? And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're not rolling the dough, but we're doing okay. We're paying the bills and paying stuff, you know, we're, we're doing okay. And, uh, and it was funny, and i like, why do you ask? He goes, well, because like when the offering bucket goes by, it's like there's nothing in there, and I'm just kind of wondering, things okay? 
And, uh, and I said, well, you know, a lot of people give online and not many people give cash. Most people give checks and that probably takes up a little less room in the bucket or whatever it was. But it was just an interesting conversation because so many people give online that it looks like, gosh, if it's just in the bucket and there's like a couple dollar bills, a check and an old gum wrapper, we might be in trouble here. Um, here's the other choice that comes from this same verse, verse 7. At the end of it, it says... Um, that we're to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the word cheerful in the Greek is the word hilarious, where we get the word hilarious. So it's this idea of cheerfulness, of, of giving that we want to give. And so the choice is choose cheerfulness over reluctance. Choose cheerfulness over reluctance. You know, and the, the, the more you kind of understand life and choices, you recognize that we have choices about what we do, but we also have choices about our attitudes. You know, and if you've got kids and you're trying to raise your kids to have a good attitude, you can say, look, change your attitude, and kids, kids can change their attitude. And, you know, when it comes to this idea that says God loves a cheerful giver, you know, sometimes people respond and say, well, I guess that means if I can't be cheerful, then I just won't give. It's like, I think you're missing it. It goes the other way around. As we say, we need to adjust our attitude, not our giving. And so we talk about this idea of choosing cheerfulness over reluctance. And then in chapter 9, verse 10, it says this. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And just to be real clear, when we talk about we're sowing generously to reap, we're not talking about I want to give money so I can get more later. Like if I give a dollar, then I'm going to get three dollars from God. It's not talking about that. It says that we're, the harvest is a righteousness, that we become closer and closer to who God wants us to be, a righteousness within us, but also a righteousness in the people that are affected because of our generosity, because of our giving. But it says at the beginning, it says, he who supplies seed to the sower. Who is the he? It's God. God supplies seed to the sower. And working the analogy that Paul is talking about here, that means that God supplies us with the money that we have. The choice is this, is that we choose stewardship over ownership. That we see all the money that we have, all the money in our bank account, all the money that comes in, all that we have, it's God's. I'm merely a steward of God's money. It's not my money. I don't own the money. It's God's money. And so we are stewards of God's money. One of the things that we talk about a lot at River Church in, in every different area of life, and it's really the, the vision of who we are, is helping people take next steps in their journey with God. And so I want to talk about what are some next steps that we can all take individually but separately, what are next steps that we can take when it comes to finances and to sowing generously? So we've got this kind of diagram that we put together to kind of shows it actually in stair-step sort of ways. And so if you don't give to River Ridge Church at all or you just kind of give sporadically or occasionally or when something special comes up, the first step for you would be or the next step for you on your journey with God in terms of sowing generously would be become a consistent giver. And you, whatever that means for you, say, hey, I'm going to give 25 bucks a month, or I'm going to give $50 a pay period, or I'm going to give $186 every month, or whatever it would be, but you become consistent. Say, I'm going to give this no matter what. 
I'm, I'm going to give this, you know, whether I like the sermon or I don't like the sermon. I'm going to give it whether they play the music I like or they don't play the music. I'm going to give this whether, uh, you know, I come to church every week this month or whether I don't. But it's this consistent giving. And then the next step, if, you, if you're already doing that, is I would challenge you, the next step would be to be a percentage giver, to be a percentage giver. And basically, you're a proportional giver. But what this means is that you give a portion of your income to God in a percentage. You pick a percentage and say, okay, I'm going to give 5% to God. I'm going to give 5% to the church. And then when your income goes up, then you say, okay, I'm going to keep giving 5%. It's a step beyond a consistent giver. It's a proportional giver. Uh, and then the, the step after that, and it's really very similar, is a tithe. And so a tithe is basically means 10%. So the proportion or the percentage is now 10%. And really, being a proportional giver or percentage giver, the goal is really to get to that point of being a tither, where in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says, give 10% of whatever comes in, give that back to God. And, you know, it's interesting how this works as people understand tithing and understand, okay, no matter what comes in, I'm going to give 10% of that. And um, about a year and a half ago, there was a really big check that came in the offering, uh, like, a, a, like a big check, like six-figure check. And we don't get those very often. If you want to write one today and startle us, that would be awesome. But it was a big check. And so as the conversation was had and, and so forth, people are asking, or, you know, guys said, you know, why did you, you know, where'd that come from kind of thing? Because again, it's not normal to get that size check in the, on the offering. And he said, well, it's really pretty simple that we received an inheritance and we gave 10% of that. And, it, and for him, it was no big deal. It's like, this is the way I have lived my life, my whole life. And so when money came in, I gave 10% to the church. That's someone who understands what it means to be a tither or a 10% giver. And then the last one is this. It's what we've called a hilarious giver. Uh, it comes from this word, God loves a cheerful giver. But it's this idea that your life is marked by giving. That instead of saying, well, what percent can I give? You're now asking, how much can I give? How can I adjust my life to be more generous to the things of God, both inside the church and outside the church? How can I be more generous and give what God wants me to give? And so that's kind of the next step. You know, and so I would encourage you, as you look at that chart, to ask yourself, well, what's the next step for me? You know, maybe you haven't been giving regularly, and you say, I'm going to start giving regularly. Maybe it's five bucks a week. Maybe it's 25 bucks a month, but you say, I'm going to be consistent. Or maybe you've been giving a consistent amount, so the next step for you is, I'm going to be a proportional giver, whatever that proportion is, 5%, 2%, 8%, and you say, okay, I'm going to be a proportional giver, or moving to tithing, or maybe you're at the point where you've been tithing for a while, and God's laying on your heart, you know, I think it's time to do more than just straight 10% to give more to God's work. I want to close um, by sharing something that was kind of interesting that happened to me. Uh, some of you know uh, that I love hot chocolate, and I'm sort of a hot chocolate connoisseur, and I, and I have my own recipe that I have, like, a certain amount of light chocolate, and a certain amount of dark chocolate, and a certain kind of milk, and I heat it up on the stove, and I'm, I'm pretty into my hot chocolate. And so uh, Procter & Gamble had a contest where they were, um, who could design, or who could come up with a hot chocolate recipe? I'm like, I'm going to enter my hot chocolate because I think my hot chocolate is pretty amazing. So I send my recipe of light and dark chocolate and the percentages and so forth and the mixtures and the type of milk that I use into Procter & Gamble, and I won $5,000. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
So I, I won $5,000. I'm like, sweet. So I gave $500 to the church, and then I took the other $4,500. I said, what am I going to do with this? And so I gave it to a financial investment guy, and I said, I want you to put this towards our kids' education. I've got four kids. They're all going to go to college, hopefully, and so it's going to add up. So could you put this towards their college education, and we'll see where it goes. So I called the guy about a year later, and I said, hey, how's it going with our $4,500 that we invested? Is it, you know, is it more? Is it less? How's it doing? And he goes, I'm not really sure. I'm like, what do you mean you're not sure? He's like, well, the check, I'm not sure kind of where it ended up. It may be in my drawer. I may have actually like gone on a cruise with my wife with that check. I'm not really sure. I may have invested in some speculative markets in China, but I'm not really sure where your $4,500 is. Like, if that was you, what would you do? You'd be like, oh, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. None of that is true. I didn't win the contest. There was no contest. I do make a really mean hot chocolate, however. But the rest of that is not true. But I share that story with you to share this point. Is that I gave him in this fictitious story money. But that was my money. It wasn't his money. And you see, God has given all of us a portion of money. Some more, some less. But it's God's money. It's not our money. And so I would challenge you with this question. The money that God has entrusted you with, how are you going to sow generously with that money? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, uh, just for the opportunity to be together, to look into your word, and to help us to understand what it means to sow generously. God, help us to do this. Help us do this over the long haul, that we might honor you with everything that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen.